Welcome to episode 37 of Miles and Pints, the Travel and Beer Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Brownson, and together we're going to drink our way through this amazing world one pint at a time. Whether you love to travel, you love a cold local beer, or you just can't get enough of either, you're listening to the right podcast. That's what we're here to talk about. Our guest today is Patrick Steffens from Lost Barrel Brewing in Middleburg, Virginia. Along with being a managing partner in the business, Patrick is also the head brewer for Lost Barrel, so you can probably guess that he is a very busy man. But he somehow still found time to sit down with us and talk about his background and what he's doing today at Lost Barrel Brewing, even with only a few days' notice. Before we get to that interview, though, let's take a minute to thank our regular listeners. Without you, we'd just be talking to ourselves. If you haven't already, click that button to subscribe to the show so you don't miss anything we have coming down the line. We want to send a big thanks out to Visit Loudon and the Loco Ale Trail for sponsoring this episode. Derek and I had a great time recording out in Loudon County, and even though he isn't here for the intro, he will be with us on the recording. And now, after a quick word from our sponsor, let's get to the good part. Sit back, relax, crack open your favorite brew, and enjoy our chat with Patrick. This episode is brought to you by Visit Loudon, the tourism office for the Loco Ale Trail. With 35 breweries and counting, Loudoun County is one of the most vibrant craft beer destinations in the U.S. Visit Loudoun invites you to hit the Loco Ale Trail, which connects the urban breweries of Sterling and Ashburn in the east, to everything from bespoke taprooms and historic towns to farm breweries with stunning Blue Ridge Mountain views out west. Grab your Ale Trail passport to collect stamps, win prizes, and say cheers in Loudoun beer country. For more, check out visitloudon.org. It's another beautiful day to drink beer, and I am here with Derek once again. Derek, are we ready to have a couple of drinks? Let's do it. Another beautiful day in Loudoun County. We are at Lost Barrel Brewing in just outside, or maybe still technically in, Middleburg, Virginia in Loudoun County. It's a amazing absolutely amazing new property and we're excited to talk today with the owner and head brewer and all-around everything guy patrick welcome to the show well thank you guys appreciate you coming uh derek jeff uh glad to have you here at our brewery today and unfortunately when jeff says the all-around everything guy as we learned from the last two weeks episodes from b chord brewing that includes scrubbing toilets from time to time. Uh, it, sometimes it does. So I wear a lot of hats here at the brewery. So my, <laughs> my title here is general manager and head brewmaster. Uh, but I'm also one of the managing partners of the business, which means occasionally I brew beer and occasionally I wash dishes or uh, toilets, uh, clean toilets, uh, things like that. Basically anything that needs to be done. Do whatever needs to get done. Yes, that's the the hallmark of a business owner or a manager of any type, I think, in most places. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's part of the entrepreneurialism, the entrepreneurial aspect of this business is that, you know, if you're going to get into it, um, you got to go all in and you got to be willing to sort of take care of the entire operation. Now, I will say I've got a great staff. I have a lot of employees here. I've got managers that handle the facility and, and, and I have assistant brewers in the brewing operation. I have a wonderful taproom staff. We employ uh, close to 50 people here. 
Um, and we have, you know, maybe 40, 45, like active on, on, on our payroll at any given, any given point in time, which is really great. I mean, that's a, that's a really good feeling to have as the general manager of the operation, because now coming out of COVID, um, this has been an opportunity for folks to get back to work, which has been great. And this is crazy as we'll get into a little bit when we get into the background here, but the, having that many people in this big a facility for being around for not very long is you guys just jumped straight into it but we are here for the brewery and we're here for the beer and we would be amiss if we did not start with what we are drinking so if this is going to be a big shock to everyone but derek what are you having first well yeah it's a shock i'm drinking a hazy ipa uh, which everyone knows I love my IPAs. I love my hazy IPAs. I love everything, but I love IPAs. So I had to try that first. And uh, we're going to hear a little bit more about it in a minute. But uh, spoiler alert, this is a brand new beer uh, that's going to be banned later today. Yeah, we, so um, we are, uh, what, I, what I brought for you guys today is uh, a sample of our hazy IPA. And it is fresh off of our bright tank. So for those that aren't you know, familiar with what that means, it means that um, that is a tank in the production area that is like the last step in the production process before we package that beer. So it is literally the freshest beer you could possibly have. It, it was brewed uh, 15 days ago, right? And it is now ready to package, and we're actually gonna do a canning run on it today. I just pulled the little sample for you guys just so you could get the, the, the freshest of the fresh IPA because, you know, very strong hoppy IPAs are meant to be consumed fresh, right? So, and I will say it's, it's, it's uh, bright, it's crisp, it's super fresh. It all almost reminds me of some of the uh, wet hop mm-hmm. uh, IPAs you see in the Pacific Northwest from time to time. Uh, it's super uh, aromatic and uh and it's absolutely delicious if it were you know 95 degrees outside you could just (laughs) pound those all day long it's so so citrusy and and uh aromatic and it was very nice of it to get done today so that we could have it well i I think my reputation precedes me and it was (laughs) it was made specifically for me jeff it got all carbonated it was all excited it's like hey (laughs) miles and pints is coming we have to get out there we and now i'm turning beer into personalities so uh, apparently, I've had too much already, but I'm starting with an oatmeal stout, which is nice and dark, and we're recording early today. Um, don't judge us for drinking early, but this is my, my breakfast beer I'm starting out with here today, and uh, I'll let Patrick tell you a little bit about this one. I love dark beers. I'm a dark beer guy myself. Um, I like a good full, full-bodied stout, and this one, I tried to do it justice by having you know, a lot of flaked oats. A, a very sophisticated malt bill, like a lot of interesting different malts go into the uh, flavor profile of this beer. Chocolate malts, roasted barley. The thing about uh, a stout is that we use malts that are roasted similar to the way that coffee beans are roasted. Okay, so, so what that means is that the flavors that we get off of those malts are often similar to flavors that you get off of coffee um, which is why you which is why folks that are uh, coffee drinkers tend to be stout drinkers um, because uh, you get that roasty flavor you get that chocolatey flavor you get that kind of thick mouthfeel it's it's very you know very very uh, interesting style very near and dear to my heart as you can tell 
And this one has a ton of that like heavy back of mouth, malty, mm -hmm. complex flavor. And as you were talking about the coffee, I was like, yes, that's exactly what I'm tasting right. here. But you know, Patrick, they say there's an exception to every rule. You may have met the one person that loves stouts, but hates coffee. Oh. And that would be Jeff. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a little weird, okay? Who doesn't love coffee? He did say that he has a, a, a very particular lane that he likes to stay in when it comes to coffee, his coffee choices. Yep. It's straight espresso for me. Nothing. I mean, I might put a little sugar in it if it's a, a nice and bitter espresso. Just rocket fuel, just through the IV. That's, that's the way to consume it, right? <laughs> and I resisted for years and years and years. And actually, the first time I ever had an espresso or a coffee of any type when we were traveling is when we were in Italy. And my wife was like, we're going to go and get these. <laughs> Um, and so I had a cappuccino and I had an espresso and then it became a thing when we travel and then the pandemic hit and it became a thing that I get in my kitchen now. <laughs> sure. So Patrick, tell us what you're drinking. Okay. So I have our toasted lager here and, um, the toasted lager is an, uh, amber colored lager. It is, um, it's got a little more flavor profile than something like really light, like a light Pilsner. It's got a little more character than that. It's got some caramel flavor. It's got some bready flavor to it. We really have seen a, a, a lot of success with this beer even early on where the, um, the, the folks who are maybe not the craft beer aficionados, right, are, are coming to visit us, trying to, you know, they want to visit our farm. Uh, enjoy the day with their family and they need kind of a gateway craft beer to get them into some of the other styles they may not be ipa drinkers this has really worked out well for that where it's it's got a little more flavor profile than a than a light beer that you would normally see at a, at a grocery store but it's not as powerful as a super hoppy ipa for example um, so it's in the lane of like a Devil's Backbone Vienna Lager, or maybe like a Sam Adams Boston Lager, you know, something like that. It's kind of like Vienna Lager style. And for our listeners that haven't made it out to Lost Barrel yet, the property is magnificent. It has a lot of, as you mentioned, Adirondack chairs. You told us off the air and we got a chance to look at the property. Adirondack chairs outside and fire pits and things of that nature. When I drink this toasted lager, great beer, for sun going down. You Absolutely. know, summer Saturday night and just sit around the fire pit and drink a toasted lager. It's a perfect combo. Grab a cigar, sit by the fire pit. I was thinking maybe, lager. maybe some <laughs> s'mores. <laughs> s'mores. Yeah. Absolutely. Have my sweet along with my uh, nice toasted beer here. We, we do have a wonderful site out here and, and we're very, you know, proud of, of our, uh, our entire operation on the farm. We've got a, a wonderful tap room that has plenty of inside seating, but and it's very open and airy. But we also have lots and lots of outside seating for folks that want to spread out, be comfortable, enjoy the nice weather. It's Virginia, we get all four seasons, but we're in a good season right now. And, and the weather is behaving. And now we see you know a lot of people really enjoying our, the outside space here. So let's get into a little bit about you and how this brewery came to be, because like I mentioned before, it hasn't been around for very long, but you have been doing brewing longer than this. Take us through a little bit of your background, um, if there was pre-brewing background and what sure. you've done with brewing up until this point. I can give you the 
long version of this <laughs> this story uh, or the short. Normally, when I'm talking to folks, I have to give the very short and, and concise version. But since you know, since we have some time, I feel like I, maybe I can give you the long version of this. So um, I'll start by saying I have I have three small kids at home. Um, I have a, a daughter who's about to turn nine. Her her name is Taylor. She's going to turn nine on the fourth of July. She was born on the fourth of July. Fireworks <laughs> for every birthday. Um, I have a son, Charlie, who's, uh, he just turned five in, in May last month. And then I have a son, Harry, who he's a year and a half old. He was born in, um, November, uh, or he turned one in November. So um, you need to drink. It, <laughs> is this what we're getting to here? <laughs> so the point of that is, um, as I get older, I start to lose track of like when, like time, I just start to lose track of time basically. But now that I have kids, I can sort of anchor my timeline to, to their development. So I started brewing beer around the time that my wife was pregnant with my, uh, with our first uh, child. So w- roughly nine, 10 years ago, but as a hobbyist, I, I did it I, I, like uh, maybe a lot of your listeners are, are, you know, home brewers or, you know, getting into brewing a, as a hobby, same exact way. So, you know, one thing to convey there is that, uh, if you are a home brewer and you have a passion for brewing, and you want to transition to professional brewing, it can be done. I am proof positive that it, like, it can be done. It takes a lot of hard work, but if you have the drive and the motivation, uh, you can get there. So I started 10 years ago, roughly, brewing in my basement and just immediately, immediately got infatuated with the brewing science, the whole process, the whole culture. Uh, I loved it. Uh, it was not long before I started putting together plans to start a small brewery, a nano brewery, uh, because I, I, I was making beer in my basement. I was making so much beer <laughs> that I had friends. I, I mean, I had a Sabco brew magic uh, system, which for those that, that uh, aren't familiar with that, it's like a converted, keg, like hollowed out kegs turned into brew kettles. It's the same system that Sam Calagione from Dogfish Head started his business on. I was very inspired by that. I was like, oh, I got to get this brew magic system. Anyway, I was brewing a lot of beer in my basement, in my garage. I had my buddies coming over with growlers every day, like filling up, uh, filling up stuff. Uh, and I, I mean, I just really enjoyed it. That for me, that was the fulfillment is that, you know, seeing my friends and family uh, enjoy all that. So I took that and um, started on business plans for a small brewery in Leesburg. And I launched Loudon Brewing Company in 2015. It's still in operation today. I operated Loudon Brewing Company from 2015 to 2017 and then sold it to the current current owners. Um, still under operation, still a great little place. If you haven't been there, I highly recommend you check them out. Go see Phil and Shannon at Loudon Brewing Company. Um, they're great people. But that was, that was something that was, uh, you know, a, a hobby turned into a passion that I wanted to turn into a business. After I sold Loudon Brewing because of uh, my growing family, basically. So, you know, started with one kid and then in the process had another kid and then another kid. And as you can imagine, um, it, things got a little, little stressful. And I had to back off a little bit and get back into a better financial position, um, you know, through other work and things like that. But then through that, I got connected with the current ownership team here. And then we started plotting on you know, how do we build something bigger on a farm? Let's make it an agricultural, you know, tourism type business. 
uh, and that's what led us here. And did they kind of tap you for that and that they were like, you, you have made a brewery already once, you know what you're doing, let's talk about this and brought you into it? Or was it kind of a group effort that you were in from the beginning? So I I think it, you know, the, the best laid plans when it comes to entrepreneurialism is that you try to get a group of people together that have um, complementary skill sets. So the ownership team, uh, myself included in that here, it's not, it's not just me, there's, you know, there's other, other partners in this business. Um, we had complementary skill sets. I was the beer guy, to, <laughs> to be clear, right? I mean, that, yeah. that's what I brought to the table. And, and that was um, something that I had experience in. I had gone through uh, not only the startup of a small brewing business, but I had just gone through the gauntlet of, you know, uh, legislation, uh, permitting, um, at the federal, state, and local level. Th- these were things that I, were, uh, I was familiar with, so that's what I, I brought to the table. There were other skill sets that were very important to bring to that table, which is having um, uh, folks that are very skilled in just operational efficiency, manufacturing operations, having folks that are familiar with commercial construction and mechanical engineering, which is very important if you're gonna be you know, building a, a craft beer brewery, having folks that are familiar with like land development and real estate. Um, so with our powers combined, you know, we came together and, and started hashing out the plan for Lost Barrel Brewing. That was very, sorry, that was a very long explanation. <laughs> no, that was great. I mean, I, I love to hear the details of how these things happen because every brewery has its own story. And we've talked to some that are, they were brought in by a group of investors who wanted a brewery and they were brought in for talent. And we've talked to some like you that are part of a group that all got together to try to make it happen. And we've talked to some that just took all of their savings and bought a brew system and are hoping to make money. So it's, it's interesting to see the full gamut of it and how successful people are and see, I guess, how that brewing works. You've obviously had a lot of experience brewing with the home brewing, with the, having your own brewery before. So I, when we were coming here today, I was like, they've been open about six months at this point. I was like, so we're going to be maybe hit and miss on some of the beers because it takes a little while for a new brewery. But having tasted a couple of these now, I'm like, oh, no, they knew what they were doing before they started here. (laughs) This isn't a we got to figure it out situation. This is these are the beers we're going to make and they're going to be great. So, well, I appreciate that. Uh, Thank you so much. That's very kind of you to say. And um, we we aim to deliver a high quality product. That's a very thoughtful product. So the, the whole process of brewing beer to us is more than just let's you know throw up a building get some kettles you know mash and and you know ferment some beer and just sling it we try to put a lot of thought and effort into every beer that we make and really try to do the process right try to have everything very crisp clean good processes good end results and a good product for our customers because we want to bring people out to the farm here and give them a great experience and that includes having very fresh flavorful beer fresh flavorful food and having a great atmosphere to to enjoy those things and you mentioned the farm tell us a little bit about how you and your team decided on this location so the ownership team was um, interested in 
equestrian operations in this area. So we are in Middleburg, Virginia. Um, we are just outside the, the town limits of, of Middleburg. So we're, we're still in Loudoun County, but we're kind of right on the Loudoun County and Fauquier County line. Um, this is horse country here. There are a lot of equestrian operations. The Upperville Horse Show uh, is uh, on, uh, go, uh, ongoing as we speak right now. And it's a, it's a very large event that they're, they're holding out there. So um, part of the ownership team was looking for equestrian operations out here just because they they were into that um, into that scene their kids were into that scene uh, and they were looking to acquire a property that would allow them to um, be on the operating side instead of the uh, customer side of that business if that makes sense so so they don't have to pay to house a horse in a stable they have the stable and have other people pay them to house the horses yeah, you got it and and the the stars kind of aligned on this property here because it, it it came up for sale had a horse barn lovely horse barn and a and a little cottage built in the 1700s they were in need of some love some revitalization some renovation the timing was right the the way that the property was laid out was right where if if uh if they purchased the property for the equestrian operation, there was a part of the property that could be parceled off, I'll say, for a brewing operation. So it really, it started to check a lot of boxes all of a sudden, and that's that's why the, they pulled the trigger on, on moving forward with this plan. Was that easier from a zoning perspective because it was already a commercial property? Or did you have to basically start from scratch with the brewery anyway? So we were already zoned agricultural use. And in the zoning for Loudoun County, Farm Brewery was already an approved uh, use of agricultural land if you're zoned for agricultural use. So there was no um, zoning hurdles per se. Um, we didn't have to go up for any kind of special exception or any public hearing or anything like that. And I'm wondering if this... the ownership group that you're talking about the people who are interested in the equestrian are some sort of evil geniuses because <laughs> they were like we like horses let's get a horse farm we also like beer let's put a brewery on it like sure. this is i mean that's everyone's dream these are the things i like let's put them all around me it'll be wonderful yeah you know i think when it came to looking at the property and how they were going to use the property first and foremost it was an opportunity to have uh, a, a plot of land that was dedicated for equestrian use and the brewery portion of it was uh, enticing because we at that same time we were working together and trying to put together plans for a brewery now we were brewing in my basement and it was just kind of a thought right but as the you know the as the land became available and as the idea grew then it started to make more sense that maybe this could be a, a, a two-for-one deal here we could get the land that we want for the equestrian operation we could also use a part of the land for the brewery operation and you know looking at at the the land purchase overall like one of the, the major priorities for for us now as uh, as farm uh, brewery operators out here and as equestrian farm operators out here is to make sure that the land is used for agricultural purposes there's no doubt that there is a lot of development going on in Loudoun County right now. Lots. Of, I, I heard on the news the other day that in the last 10 years, 30,000 new homes were built in Loudoun County alone. It's like the top of the chart as far as new home development in the country. 
It's crazy. We were at Wheatland Spring uh, Farm and Brewery yesterday, and we were looking around. They had a, a little festival, and we're walking through their wheat and barley fields. And as we're standing kind of up on the hill there, we looked out and we're like, oh, there's million dollar homes there and there's million dollar homes there. But literally all 100% of the way around their farm is these gigantic homes and developments going in. Yeah, it's it's everywhere. There's no doubt about it. And so as a landowner here, we're looking at the land and and, and we're, we're trying to claim this land for agricultural purposes, because if the land comes up for sale, the developers are eyeing it down, right? And that's yeah, not I mean, always, they can make all sorts of money on that. Yeah. And that's not always the most popular thing for for um, for uh, folks that have been here for a long time. And we're trying to be respectful of that. So, you know, part of our intention here is to make sure that this land stays as a working horse farm, um, and the the farm brewery. Kind of comes along with that but it also helps us uh, keep this as an agricultural property instead of like a, a, a another land development basically and for our listeners this is today's episode reminder jeff that all of our podcast guests are much more intelligent than we are they see a <laughs> they see a property come up on the market immediately recognize horse farm check oh we can also brew check I feel like we should maybe start mentioning that twice an episode or twice a recording since we split them into two episodes and everyone should know every week that we are the dumbest people on our podcast. Oh, you guys don't give yourselves enough credit. We are, we are just looking for intelligent, wonderful people in the brewing world and in the travel world and we seem to find them. But I also, I want to touch on the property here because people can't see this. We'll put a bunch on social media and we'll have some pictures up. But it's not going to do it justice. I, I was saying yesterday we really need a drone for Miles and Pints. And I think that would be the best way to see this property because it is mm-hmm. so big. But you say like we parceled off this little piece of the horse farm for this. But mm-hmm. I think maybe people could identify with it. It's something that we've seen here in Loudoun County that I haven't seen in a lot of other places in my travels as far as breweries go. But there are breweries here, yourself included, this is probably the best example of it that I've seen, that have realized that beer is as popular as wine, and maybe more so to a a large set of people. Mm -hmm. And these places are being designed like you would see these wineries in Napa or in the Finger Lakes or in here in Loudoun County. There's a lot of big wineries. But we pulled into this property and we were just in awe at the huge parking lot. There's several buildings on the property. It's this massive complex that was built just for beer. And I can't, it's hard to express how excited I get that craft beer can have this and people will come to it. So tell us a little bit about, I guess, the layout of the property and what you've built here for the brewery. Sure. Um, so for the layout of the property, we have our we have a few um, different areas that we have as part of our you know hospitality uh, strategy here. We have our main tap room and and tasting room, um, which operates a lot like a restaurant. Frankly, I mean it, it's it's uh, it it is a craft 
beer tasting room, but we have uh, we have food. Uh, we have a full food menu, appetizers, entrees, desserts, things like that. So people can come out here, enjoy some beer, enjoy the hard seltzers, and also enjoy some fresh food. Uh, we have inside seating inside of our, our tap room. We have a nice big bar that sort of wraps around the inside of our uh, tap room area. Um, but really, what we wanted to focus on was having lots of outside space where people could spread out, be comfortable, be safe, especially in COVID times. And um, because of that, uh, we have you know, different fire, we have fire pit areas like surrounded by Adirondack chairs. We have um, a beer garden, which has lots of picnic tables and things like that. But every, there, there's ample outside space. And um, like I said, we're in Virginia, uh, we get all four seasons, right? So uh, right now we're in a good season. Aside from the cicadas, maybe, uh, but the the seasons are, are, are the season is very nice right now, where uh, people can come and and sit outside and it's very mild and very comfortable here. Um, we do have a, a an area. It, it's one of the original structures on the farm. It, it was actually like a little two stall run in horse shed, basically that had a, a little apartment built on top of it and then a deck built to the side of it and then a shed built under. I mean, it was just like, it just like piecemealed together. So that was an existing structure and we took that and we just kind of spruced it up a little bit, made sure that everything was safe, like reinforced the, the deck, like kind of repainted everything, uh, renovated the inside of the, the upstairs apartment. And we used that for, for, um, for special events. Believe it or not, we had a couple get married over there. Can you believe that? Like they came on uh, uh, here on, on a, a Sunday, much like today. They set up at 11, they were married by 11.30 and then they had their reception and they were they were drinking by 12, <laughs> you know? That it's, sounds fantastic. It's really great. I mean, I got married at the, the base lodge. Well, I got married in a church, but the reception was at uh, the base lodge of a ski resort. So it's, I mean, it's a similar kind of thing, like a lot of wood in the design, and yeah. a lot of just big windows. And I, yeah. I mean, this would be a great place for a, a wedding reception, for a wedding, for any sort of event. And that's one of the things that I noticed about this is you have, when you designed it, I think, you parceled it out in there's a ton of different spaces that you can rent. And the place where we're recording right now is listed on your website as a place that can be rented. But as we walked up, you said, oh, this is tap room overflow. So if someone rents it, then they can use it, but also you use it for the tap room. So it's not just like there's a bunch of empty areas, but you have a lot of spots that people can do private events and private groups. And you have the fire pits you mentioned, there's also a cost to reserve those which is a little different than we see at a lot of places, but having chatted with uh, Marty over at B-Cord about the amount of people that come and he was like, well, ours is kind of nice because we're limited in that we sell tickets. And if you don't have tickets for the music show, you can't get in. So that li that's like our crowd control. And having had that conversation with him, I now understand why you do that because it's a it's a crowd control function and you don't have people coming here and sad that they can't get it. They know if they want to reserve that spot, they reserve that spot. It's a very reasonable cost for a whole bunch of people. And I mean, you spend far more than that on the beer, I'm sure. Sure. <laughs> but there's so many spaces here that really any kind of in any size of event that you want to do, you could do at this brewery. It, it does help to organize things if you have spaces where it if somebody has a larger party and by larger, I mean like it, they're going to bring more than 10 people. They're going to bring 20 people. They're going to bring 30 people. 
when you get to that size of a of a single party, you gotta you gotta kind of think about that. Like how how are we how are we gonna give that group a good experience um, as opposed to when folks come to the tap room, if it's like you, wife, husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, you know, two, four, six people at a time, wonderful. No problem accommodating folks like that. We've got plenty of seating. We've got plenty of space in our tap room. We've got plenty of staff. Like we can, we do that all day, every day. But if it's a larger event uh, and you really want to, it to be a little more purposeful, like we've had gender reveal parties, we've had uh, uh, rehearsal dinners and things like that, um, then we, you know, we, what we ask folks to do is reach out to us. Uh, tell, tell us what you're thinking, um, what, what you want to set up, and we'll, we'll carve out a spot where we can host you in a way that is um, that that sort of does your party justice like we'll, we'll make sure that we have staff to take care of you make sure everybody knows that you're here the time that you're gonna come the time that you're gonna go and so that's why we set up these different spaces to, to be able to do that and it's private enough to make them happy but not like up here yeah. you have big windows that can open up to the tap room you said so when there's music they can hear that yep. they can hear the buzz of the tap room and feel like they're part of it but no one bothers them in their private group so it's it's really uh, again, just a function of the design of the place and such a welcoming environment, no matter what you want to do here, whether you want to grab a table and have lunch with your friend or whether you want to bring 50 people and have an event. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that is the, the, the name of the game for us is, is tr you know, try to put together a space where um, if you have a larger gathering, we can accommodate that. Um, if, if you just want to come out and, and enjoy the tap room, we can accommodate that too. And so we have designed some some spaces throughout the property to be to be able to do that. Uh, and and we're we're happy to do it. We're now getting into setting up our loft area, which is what we call the area that we're sitting in right now, for um, rehearsal dinners. We we are now in partnership with the Salamander Resort, and there are that's um, it's a wonderful 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 property if you if you haven't been out there or for listeners that are um, not familiar with it definitely look it up it is a beautiful property it is a wonderful resort they have a wonderful hospitality model out there and and great people and that's right next door to you right it, it's less than close. a mile away okay. yeah it's it's here in Middleburg um, as the crow flies it's actually like less than a mile like through through the woods over there we're actually beating a path through the woods so that we can bring people back and forth so again I need a drone to yeah. go over and see that <laughs> yeah. can go right over the trees but but we have folks that are getting married at the salamander but they want to do the rehearsal dinner off-site in another spot but you know they don't want mom and dad grandma grandpa to have to travel too far well this is less than a mile away and so we and we can host them we, we work with a catering partner an executive chef his name is jose marty and he runs a company called loco kitchen out of sterling uh just down the road here and he puts together our entire food menu here but he also operates as our catering partner so if we want to have something that's a little more formal like everybody's going to sit down and have a steak dinner at the same time he can put together that menu and execute on that menu here which has been really great and the beauty of this space as jeff mentioned clearly designed for functionality but also for people to enjoy the brewery uh, <clears throat> the current space we're in that as you mentioned can be rented out for parties if anyone's looking for a venue in western loudon county on one end, you can look into the barrel room, mm -hmm. right, and the and check out all the brewing system. And on the other, as you mentioned, is the 
is the tap room overflow. You can see what's going on in there. You can open up windows and hear the live bands on the weekends and things like that. So not only is it a phenomenal private space, but for all of our beer dorks listening to Miles and Pints, it's also beer centric. Absolutely. We give lots of brewery tours and things like that, even like impromptu, just kind of, hey, do you want to check out the production area? We have put our production area in... I call it the fishbowl sometimes, right? Because as soon as you walk up to the property, the first thing you see are these big bay doors and big windows looking into our production area. I mean, we don't want to hide it. We want people to see that this is a working farm brewery. And for those that are beer geeks like myself, <laughs> like like you guys, uh, that's great to see. I, I, I like seeing all the, the shiny stainless yeah, steel say, and all know, the piping and everything. You keep that stainless <laughs> so clean, people should see it. You yeah. work so hard to get it nice and clean every time you brew. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, a lot of times we have our canning line running we got it right in front of the window so if you if you walk up here on any given day you may see us canning beer in fact if you guys hang around long enough you're going to see us canning that hazy ipa today i actually got my one of my guys coming in and we're going to fire that thing up today and can about 150 cases i've been of that sitting beer. here i've been sitting here thinking about how i could like reserve a little cot space the yeah. night before you can a hazy ipa i can just hang out by the tank and yeah. uh, and be ready for it in yeah. case there's any spillage yeah, just quality control checks exactly you know? i mean it, you know every 15 minutes should be sufficient, right? Now, you just met Derek today, but you should seriously look for stowaways from this <laughs> point forward. <laughs> uh, that's great. True story. True story. So let's talk a little bit about the the brewing side of things. I mean, I guess we're already starting to do that. We've got uh, old patents on the wall over here. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, not the actual old patents, but nice blown up pictures of the old patents which is something as a former patent examiner i get super excited whenever i see stuff like that I'm like, Ooh, i understand how this works but the actual day-to-day brewing we're canning today how do you make the decisions about the beer you've done a lot of brewing in the past but do you have a, a decent amount of free reign with that is that a group decision how do you pick what you're going to brew next it is a group decision to, to a large degree because we, but we're aligned on how we want to present beer to our customers and how we, the kind of products that we want to get out there. So right out of the gate, we have put a, a tremendous amount of focus on first and foremost, let's have very high quality, fresh, good representations of different styles of beer. We have taken a, an approach, you know, right out of the gate here. Like you said, we, we've only been open for six or seven months now. We opened in December 2020. We're trying to keep things fairly simple as far as how we roll out the beers because we're trying to be sensitive to the fact that not everybody coming out to our brewery is, you know, the craft beer head. Not everybody is, um, not everybody is coming here because of the beer, frankly, right? Like some people may be coming out here with their family or their wife or husband kind of dragged them along or whatever it is, right? I'm happy that they're coming out to hang out, but I don't want them to be turned off by some impossible, indecipherable beer menu, right? So we're trying to be sensitive to that and have um, some very simple styles, very simple descriptors. We have a light lager, we have a light farm ale, we have an IPA, we have a hazy IPA, we have a toasted lager, we have a stout. They're just going to very approachable, approachable styles. And we're, we're really trying to um, make sure that there is something for everybody. As far as branching out into new things and the, and the creativity, 
this is a creative pursuit for me, first and foremost. So that's what really drives me and keeps me engaged in the growth of this business is that it is a creative pursuit. That's what I like about it. That's what that's why I got into this business. So there is um, definitely some leeway in let's try new things. Let's try new recipes. Let's try new processes. And we're as we're going along, we're starting to sprinkle in uh, new recipes, new processes, new things that we want to offer our customers so that we can keep them incentivized to come back. I, I haven't been in this business for a tremendous amount of time, but I have been in the business just long enough to know, and I feel the same way, that people like to visit breweries and then what brings them back is trying new things that that brewery is trying, right? There, there's some uh, value to going back to that brewery and seeing what the new thing is and not just having the, the, the same menu uh, repeat over and over. So, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, be sensitive to that also, right? And, and, and include that in our uh, operational plan. I've definitely been to breweries or brew pubs or brewery restaurants before. And I, one that I'm thinking of specifically, I won't mention, but they are no longer around because partially, I think every time I went there, it was the same beer list. It was sure. like eight beers that they had made and they pride themselves, prided themselves on being this brewery who's making their own beer, but they never changed anything. Mm -hmm. And none of them were amazing. They were all good. Sure. And I would have one with lunch because they had pretty good food, but there was nothing amazing. And I definitely am one who, if I come back here, I'm not getting these four beers. I'm getting Try four whatever new is new. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't know how many you guys have on tap right now because I was just wandering around awestruck in the tap room and didn't actually <laughs> look at the list sure. before we came up here. But I, I love to try new things. I will always try whatever's new on the menu. Um, we went out last night for a beer at, at my local place, Audacious Ale Works, and there was, I, I've had all of the beers there, but one hasn't been on the tap list for a year and a half, and they just brought it back, and I was like, ooh, yeah, I'll have that, I'll have the new beer. But, I mean, new beers are wonderful, and tasting those flavors and seeing how people are pushing and picking the hops and picking that kind of thing is just what I want to see when I go to a brewery. To me, that's the name of the game. Now, it's okay to have some staple beers that are on the menu all the time because there is a portion of the, the consumer base that's like, oh, I go to that brewery for that beer. If that beer yeah. goes off the menu, I'm not going back. And so we have to play both sides of that coin, right? Where it's, we, there are certain things that we want to have available for folks that really like those beers. But we, it's, it, to me, it's like 50-50, it's like right? Like, let's have the staples and then let's have the rotating list of things that we're trying out. And then if, if something really catches and, and we like it, then maybe that one shifts over to the staple beer category. And then we, you know, we try other things. So there are beers that we are going to vote off the island, you know, for lack of a better <laughs> uh, description, um, in, in lieu of new things that we're trying. Um, but like I said, it's a creative pursuit. So we're going to continue to try to uh, try new things. Sam Caligione said this the best. So I'll give him credit for the way that he described this, where it's like the, the tasting room here, our tap room, it's like a focus group, right? That's the advantage of being in this business. Like we can try things out. And if it doesn't work, we're going to know really quick if it doesn't work. Like if somebody's going to come pay seven bucks for a beer, they're going to tell you if it sucks. <laughs> you know, absolutely. <laughs> and that was going to be my next question. Um, you know, you are such a customer focused business. 
how much do you and your management team uh, monitor reviews online and the and the beer specific apps on phones like untapped do you all monitor those reviews and say yeah this this beer was a hit might not be our favorite let's keep doing it or yeah this isn't popular let's scrap it and move on to something else i can give you the long explanation on this let's, <laughs> if we have let's do it let's do it <laughs> okay um short answer is yes we do we do read reviews on untapped on TripAdvisor, on yelp on google uh on facebook uh all across the board and we take them very seriously so especially if there's some kind of trend emerging around a particular beer style the 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 thing we have to be cognizant of is that um if if there's you know one or two bad reviews that there may there may be a uh, hundred good reviews that were just never submitted because most people review some people just don't they just understand don't. styles it, right it, i mean it, sure but if there is something obvious well I mean, first and foremost, I, I hope that myself and my brewing team, like we're going to recognize if something is off. So if it gets through us to the customer, then um, it's a different story, right? So if it gets to the customer and then the customer is not happy with it, we do take it very seriously. So we do watch our untapped, uh, you know, we, we take it, we take it seriously. We watch our untapped reviews. We watch all of our reviews and depending on how those uh, are coming out, we will make adjustments to the styles that we're releasing, the process could be that you know could be anything. Could be that we had uh, an issue with the carbonation on a, on a few kegs of, of one particular beer. But we'll we'll dig into it and we will um, you know we'll, we'll try to rectify that as much as possible. So the 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 <laughs> the long part of the <laughs> the explanation here is that we have to take some of these things with a grain of salt. And what I mean by that is the review system is designed to turn everybody into a critic. I, I'm not immune to this. I, I do it myself. I catch myself doing this, you know, where all of a sudden like two and a half is like perfect. Three to four stars out of five, let's say, is, you know, amazing. And five stars is just reserved for like I drank this beer and unicorns fly flew down right. from heaven yeah. and and gave yeah, me I mean, butterfly kisses yeah. and like <laughs> especially on untapped if you're up in the like four and a quarter to four and a half on a beer you're like that's like God's <laughs> nectar <laughs> yeah like that that doesn't happen and if you're in a three seven five that might be a really good beer <laughs> right so so the the scale gets uh, skewed on some of the uh, rating sites is the point there um, and and like I said I'm, I'm guilty of it also uh, so now when I now because I'm aware of this when I go on some of the sites I'll, I'll try to sling some of the other guys like five stars if I like if I go to another brewery I'm like man this beer is awesome dude I'm just gonna give you five stars like why is five stars like reserved for like God's nectar Well, we hope you had as much fun listening to Patrick as we did talking to him. The facility they've built at Lost Barrel Brewing is absolutely gorgeous, and it's definitely a place you want to visit. To do that, you'll have to make your way out to Middleburg, Virginia. Trust us, you won't regret the drive. Thanks again to our sponsor, Visit Loudon and the Loco Ale Trail, for helping us get this episode out to you. Without them, we never would have found some of these amazing breweries like Lost Barrel, B Chord, and Dynasty. 
be sure to check out our past episodes if those last two don't sound familiar to you. All of the important points and links for things that we talked about during our conversation will be in the show notes, so you can pick up anything that you missed the first time through. The easiest place to find those notes is at milesandpints.com. Thanks so much for listening to Miles and Pints, the travel and beer podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe so you can hear all of our new episodes as soon as they're released. Tell your friends and family about us so they can enjoy the show too, and please take a few minutes to leave us a review on your favorite listening platform. In between episodes, you can get more travel and beer content by following at Miles and Pints on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. You can also stop by our Facebook page at facebook.com slash milesandpints. And that's all we have for this episode. Until next time, we hope you'll find yourselves a little bit of travel, a little bit of beer, and a whole lot of fun. Through with